Welcome. Welcome back to the second segment of Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines and the stories that make our community tick. Well, few people make New Haven tick more than Gary Winfield, state senator, in our, uh, one of the originals at WNHH as a host and a guest since day one. Gary, welcome back to, uh, 19, to 2024. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be back here. Yeah. I remember spending a little bit of time it's in this one of your home. Yep. And so <laughs> how's 2024 looking? Uh, every year looks good to me. I, I it started off great. Uh, my family's doing well and, uh, we have a short session. So I, I like those years. Uh, people, you know, it's always interesting to me. So the years, is that because you're running for election that they do a shorter section or what's the reason you're back for three months, right? Correct. Beginning of February. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to be in February, March, April, and like the first couple of days of May. Uh, so yeah, three months, three, three months. And, um, yeah, I, it's, it's a constitutional thing, but I think the reason for it is you know we're at citizen legislature supposedly uh and it will give you time to do those things also more time to interact with uh constituents well you're out everywhere in new haven yeah Yeah, but some of us need more time (laughs) (laughs) so you know we talk every time you come in one thing we spend a lot of time talking about because one of your key issues is prison criminal justice reform and prison reform tie those together you're the co-chair the house chair of the i mean senate chair of the judiciary committee Because in the legislature, people don't know there's one person from the House, one from the Senate who chairs each committee. So what's the big, uh, a lot of the issues you push take a lot of years to get there. So Mm -hmm. like we no longer have the death penalty. It took you a bunch of years to put in a bill, build support. Um, We, you know, end up taking track of uh, racial profiling, doing the numbers. Mm -hmm. You've done a lot of bills like that. What are you pushing toward this year? So I, I think over time, this is probably true of a lot of folks. You, you you have less of it's the big thing this year and, and more of we have a whole bunch of stuff we still haven't finished. Um, it, your, your listeners may know that we had a, an investigation into the state police, right, uh, because of uh, some issues going on with how they were ticketing. We're still waiting on uh, the outcome of those investigations. So uh, depending on... Well, that must have... Just so our listeners know, this probably must have been really a bummer for you because you passed a law that was supposed to keep track of who gets stopped and what the race are is profiling right yes, and absolutely. then the state police ended up pretending they issued a lot of tickets to white people that didn't issue right am yeah. i getting that right pretty so, much yeah. so pretty much they want to make it look like they're not racially profiling when they are although they claim that's not what's going on i'm not going to claim what was going on I, i'm going to wait for the investigation what i do know is they were doing things they shouldn't have done so uh depending on what those investigations show uh, we'll have a response to that Am I wrong? Is that the union is pushing a narrative that this is getting all overblown? And what's the reason they gave again that this is just we actually did issue the tickets? Or I, I honestly I can't remember what their reasoning was. It was absurd to me. Uh, look, I I think one of the problems that we have, right? And I know that I'm accused of being someone who doesn't like police. That that's not true. But one of the problems we have is the public has a hard time particularly certain segments of the public, uh, believing in the police because of stuff like this. And so when this stuff happens, what you would hope would happen would be the union has to provide the defense uh, that it's supposed to provide, but the, the things that are said and, and, and put out to the public don't sound absolutely ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, people go a little too far in their defense, I think. But I get uh, the sense that the governor feels like this was overblown and it was just some kind of clerical thing. I... I I don't know exactly what the governor thinks. If that's the governor's opinion, uh, I would encourage him to think twice about it. But he did but, make a move to hire Rennell Higgins from yes. New Haven, former Yale uh, police chief, to be his new state police chief to kind of give an image that we're going to be because he is, you know, he has a very mm-hmm. stellar reputation. He's never been known to have any do anything wrong mm-hmm. as a cop. Good, good ethics. Is that? 
Do you think his mission is to do damage control for the governor and the state police, or is his mission to shake up the culture of the state police? I don't know what the governor thinks Ronell's mission is there. I, I know that in, in my conversations with Ronell, and I've known him for a long time, he wants to uh, go in and figure out what the problems are and get them fixed. Uh, and so whatever the governor thinks, that's... that's what do you think the problems are that need to be fixed? Uh, I think, you know... One, people have to become comfortable with the fact that there's going to be oversight. And by people, I mean police, whether it be the state police or not. Uh, and that uh, in this day and age in particular, uh, not only are we going to have oversight, but you are going to be seen in the things mm -hmm. that you do, right? Whether that be video cameras, whether that be the technology suggesting that you were in a place that you weren't, whatever the case may be. Uh, and that the culture of uh, you have you are given power, but you're not given the responsibility for, that comes with uh, having oversight is gone. Right. In this day and age and that you have to be responsive to the public in a way uh, that doesn't just lord over them. Now, I'm not suggesting that's true of all police, but when you have a lot of authority, but you have very little oversight, that's what happens. So I think that's the core of the problem. And you have a culture that grows up in various different ways. So many of them are similar right, across different police outfits. But you have a culture that grows up, they suggest that we can do what we want. And you have good guys and not so good guys. I was in the military, right? Not everybody wore a uniform was a great person, despite how we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we're talking about. To, to lay out the exact problems, I think that's harder to do. And so what do you, where do you see your role as this session on this? Well, I see my, again, I, th I, I think it's going to depend on what we get back from those reports. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we're going to have to sit down and think about, given what we've discovered, what do we have to do about it? I mean, don't forget in, into this, whole scandal we had a, a subsequent scandal of, with the gps uh where the police made the executive decision the state police made the executive decision uh, to turn off the gps systems and so again that all comes out of we make the decision despite what the law says we decide how things work and and we've got to figure out how how to change that now i think uh the police accountability law and some of the other stuff we've done in the reform space is changing it right because as you come in with a a different set of expectations, what you grow up is a new culture. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you've done the legislative work and is it more implementation now and oversight? I think we do. Do you think it laid the groundwork, the police accountability law? Do I think which? That, that, that the law you passed for police accountability in the wake of the George Floyd mm -hmm. uh, murder, that has that laid the groundwork now for oversight and implementation to change the culture? Or is there more legislative work? Yeah, I think uh, to be clear, police accountability in Connecticut uh, as, it, as it is in that big scheme of things with a big comprehensive bill uh, is several bills. There was a 2015 uh, police accountability right. law, a 2019 and then a 2020 uh, and then several small bills that didn't, that weren't multi-section. And I think in, in, in combination, yes, they, they have set the ground uh, and uh, I think we have to be diligent about paying attention to whether there's more. And, and, and if there's not more, we should just jump out there to do stuff, but pay attention to whether there's more needed. And we're talking to Gary Winfield, the House, I mean, the Senate chair of the Judiciary Committee Legislature, New Haven State Senator. Is your uh, combining legislative roles you've had? Is this the sixth term? I, Seven. 2008 I, I, was your first election. <laughs> 2008. 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22. So you've been in eight terms, and this is going to be yeah. your ninth. Right, that would be correct. And how do you how do you like that role? Like some people say, we should change people up every once in a while, and other people say it's good to get experience to see how a place works so you can make a difference. I think I think both things are true. By the way, <laughs> uh, I, I think that experience makes a huge difference. Right, you navigate the space different uh, than you did when you first showed up. Uh, you you know how to make things happen, so you you can't discount that. I, I also think that people 
um, have a choice to make on our own given the system we have, but, but I, I don't have plans to be in that space for 35 years. Right. Uh, it's just, it's, it, I think there's a point at which, uh, no matter how good you are, no matter, uh, how much you're able to get accomplished, new blood is important. So another big issue for you has been solitary confinement. You actually mm -hmm. did some public work. You actually sat in a, in a replica of a cell. The type was like, <laughs> what's the status of that? There've been bills to get rid of solitary confinement. Where does that stand? Is that coming up again this year? So I'm not sure. Uh, so so let me just, and I think this is important for the public. Uh, there is a, a conversation about what we want to do. And then we get in a room with uh, my co-chair, uh, the Republican ranking members. We take a, we do an analysis of where the uh, legislature is at and we figure out which bills we're going to try. Right. And then of those bills, we figure out that we can try and potentially have success. Mm -hmm. uh, we get smacked down on most of them. <laughs> uh, and then, and then bills come out of the committee. So I, I don't want to tell people what we're necessarily going to do on the issue of solitary confinement uh, and treatment of people in, in our uh, carceral system. I think we still have work left to do. Uh, you may have uh, seen last year that we were doing work on strip searches. There's there's work left to do there and, and conversations mm -hmm. that are not complete. Um, on uh, the issue in particular, Stop Solitary has been uh, bringing attention to the fact of uh, the recent case where there was some uh, unfortunate inter interaction uh, with the uh, people who we have incarcerated and the, the people who are guarding them. There was a video that came out uh, so something may come out of that. Uh, but um, this is a, a, a process that is underway. So it's not like there's some big new thing that's, mm -hmm. that's dropping. It's all process. And uh, another issue is, um, well, what I hear from police, and you hear a lot from police, they're concerned about how early people are left out, let out. So there was a guy, for instance, the other day who um, carjacked, armed carjacking the other night in Fairhaven, someone you know going to work and, Fairhaven Heights and the guy had done this like three times and he was let out early on a three-year sentence is there a concern is there a challenge with people who are committing violent crimes of being let out too early or is that not the issue is the issue how I, we reintegrate yeah. people into society I, I think it's I think there's a element of both right I'm not a I, I, despite what some folks might think I'm not a person who thinks if you uh committed crimes over and over again that you necessarily should just be let right back out right that's that although that's how it's characterized that's not what i what i believe uh what i believe at, a, at its core is that um you know and i said this at a press conference not too long ago there is a question beyond whether or not uh the folks who are in our system are doing the right thing or not and and that question starts early and it's have we done the things necessary to be able to be the, those who jail those people, right? And so we talk about a second chance society, but oftentimes, in a very real sense, it's not just rhetoric, uh, some of these folks have never had a first chance. You know, they grow up in a community where their mother, father, cousin, and everybody's been in prison. They, have, they go to a school that's failed them. Uh, there's no transportation system next to them. There's no economic opportunity for them. And people will say, well, that's an excuse. I'm just saying this is their reality. And so where do we think those people are very likely to end up? And if we're not, if we're not at least thinking about how do we address those things, it's, it's curious to me that we think we have the ability to jail those folks. When we put them in jail, we also don't do very much for those people or with those people. They sit in jail and they come out, right? And so to me, I'm focused on not what happens after they come out. I'm going to deal with that, right? But like, are we thinking about the systems in place 
that lead to many of these people being in, in where they are. Their communities compressed in a way where violence is more likely to all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a deeper question than often is posited in the public. Uh, and, and I wish that we could get there. I know why we can't. But uh, as, as I'm engaged in this public conversation, I'm going to try to bring us to dealing with some of those issues. And without any like big things you're planning to do or knowing what's on the agenda, have I missed any other key issues that Judiciary Committee is going to deal with this term? we potentially going to have Aiden Dyan come to us in one form or another. Oh, yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah, uh, Where yeah. do you stand on that? Uh, well, I w- at one point was the, the face of Aiden Dyan in the state, so, uh, cl- and, and I've uh, every year uh, had something to say on it, so clearly I uh, am in support of the bill. I just don't know where we are as a state on it. Uh, more, more. So the argument is that people should have the right to end their own lives if they're incredible pain to die in any way, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. people on the other side worry that doctors will have an incentive, especially if people are poorer, to sure. just get them to pull the plug closer. So where do you, how do you answer the, the people who are not for aid and dying? Well, I mean, I think over the years we have engaged in a conversation that has changed the bill, right? And, and uh, incorporated a lot of uh, what I think are, are answers to that, right? How the process lays out, uh, the penalties for it, what you have to do. It's, pr- it's not an easy thing to end your life under the bill that is, well, almost nobody can. You have to have, like lived here within like for right. years. You have to have right. three med- monthly check of all these people right. signing. Yeah. yeah, but and the reality of the situation is nothing that I have ever done in my life has been perfect. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't start off with the assumption that despite that conversation, it's linked our willingness to engage and incorporate stuff that there is not the possibility of something not being the way that we think. But that's not how policy is made. It's not. You don't make policy on the perfect. You make policy on. We have genuinely sat down, collaborated, figure out the way to address these problems. And we think we've done enough that we can move forward. And I think we have done enough in the state. Uh, and and I, this is where I am. Whether we do it this year or not, I think ultimately it's going to get done. And, and I think people have to bring themselves to a place where they can rect- rectify that fact with the fact that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. All right. What about psilocybin? So we've legalized cannabis how's that gone have been enough opportunities for people of color and infected communities to open the dispensaries and cash in so so when we were doing the legalization of cannabis uh one of the things that i said and and i continue to believe is that uh you know you're going to have some people who are going to benefit from this but everybody in the community that we're talking about having been affected by it can't the market's not that big uh and so there needed to be some other way that we can deal with the fact that uh the way that we had approached this issue had devastated certain communities. And that's why I came up with the social equity uh, fund piece of this, which is something that hadn't been done in other places, because if you could put monies back into those communities for development and things like that. That's really changing the game. Uh, and so my focus is on what happens with that. We're not where we need to be a hundred percent on that portion of it, but there's an ongoing conversation I've been involved in about making sure we get those monies out the door mm-hmm. and they get to, uh, the communities that have been affected and 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 that hopefully uh will 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 be in a better space very soon. and legalizing psilocybin magic mushrooms for medical or recreational how are you on that because that's moving that's going to come up so i participated uh in uh, the uh committee that was looking at the issue there were a lot of uh, medical folks on that uh that was looking at the issue of psilocybin uh and uh you know i i know a lot of people just go here we go we, we got cannabis we Psilocybin and what's next? What what we just legalize everything, uh, but I think there is a real medical use for it. Uh, the science is emerging, uh, and and I think that uh, Connecticut is trying to figure out uh, where it is in, in that space. If you ask me, am I about 
legalizing small amounts of psilocybin so that we could do some of this stuff absolutely mm -hmm. so you'd like to you'd like to work toward it i am yes very much uh there and and, and i think part of that comes out of having sat through quite a few meetings with a lot of big words that <laughs> had to go look up <laughs> so you, you're convinced it's worth moving it step by step i think so but uh, but uh, let me say this i also think that we have to do a better job and it's not just on that issue we have to do a better job of getting the the public to 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 know what it is we're doing often will mm -hmm. come out and we'll say we just want to legalize this thing we don't talk about it and it's easy for someone to come along and say hey these guys are just out here they want all your kids drugged up and they want people you know, driving around high, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I get why we lose on those conversations. We have to do a better job when it comes to that. Okay. Another big issue for you, State Center, when Phil Fergo is this been democracy. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about Bridgeport with the repeated failure to rein in absentee ballot fraud? Does that make one reconsider the idea of no fault absentee ballots or to strengthen the State Elections Enforcement Commission so problems can be rooted out early and not let the same people? Pete, the problem. What's your takeaway from what happened? In I mean, uh, listen. I think, uh, I think many of us just think Bridgeport is a mess when it comes to that, right? <laughs> uh, and that's that's not to disrespect Bridgeport. It's just we've seen over and over and over again. That's not to say that other places don't have issues as well. But Bridgeport's issues are on the in, in the newspaper term after term, election after election. Uh, I think we need people to feel as though if you do the things that we've seen that there are strong consequences. I think that we need a, a political, two political parties, or however many we have, but at least the two major political parties should speak clearly and say, we abhor this, right? And, and to be honest, when this thing went down, the voices were muted, right? Mm. So, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to say certain things. Now, I'm on my social media saying stuff, right? But that's not the big platform. But mm -hmm. there are those who have a, a platform where you're going to hear them. And I think when asked the question, we should say, if if you cheated at it, you deserve to go down. And if, if you're caught participating in it, you deserve penalties, right? Like, mm -hmm. again, I'm not against penalties for a crime. I just think that at the end of the day, once people committed the crime and done their time, we bring them back as full citizens. All right. Ranked choice voting, still a proponent of that? How's that looking? Uh, I am a proponent. I'm not one of the people that's in the push of, of ranked choice uh, voting. And I wasn't always a proponent, but uh, a lot of my constituents have, have pushed on me and said, hey, I, I think this is the thing to do. And I've looked at it, considered it, and I don't have a problem, right? I, I think if somebody was running against me and they were their number two choice or whatever, I'm never going to put them number one, but they were their number two choice. Great. Rank them that way. And then uh, finally, tell me about, you're telling me this before in the air, 300 push-ups a month. You used to go to the gym at six in the morning. A and day, now, a day. <laughs> a month me? wouldn't be very spectacular. Oh, no, I, I thought you said um, you used to go to the gym in the 6 a.m., but now you have kids, right? So yeah, so I'm do doing that. a 300 push-up a what day. What is thing. that? Yeah, uh, well, you know, my kids. 300 uh, push-ups a day? Yeah. You do 300 push-ups a day? I do. I'm working on two. So tell me <laughs> tell me what that is. Well, I, you know, I, I spent, uh, I used to go to the gym all the time at like 5, 36 o'clock in the morning. Uh, my kids tend to wake up around 6 o'clock in the morning. So I spend time with them getting them ready, talking about uh, the day to come. I do math quizzes with them. Uh, and so that's uh, eliminated me going to the gym at that time. And instead of doing something as an alternative, what I wound up doing was just doing that stuff with the kids. And I realized my gut's getting too big and I'm about to hit 50 in March. And, you know, you need to get this off before uh, the big 5-0. So I started doing the 300 push-ups a day. Do you, when do you find time? Uh, whenever. Like, so when's like when tip like when's you doing today? If uh, probably while I'm talking to the kids tonight about homework, I'll do 25, 30 at a time and oh, then knock it out. You do it for 30 at a time. Is it hard? Yes. And yes. what's the reason to do it? 
I, I want to be moving. I want to be active. I want to burn calories. I want to stay young. I'm doing squats too. I'm doing everything. I'm doing stretching now that I didn't used to do when I was 25. All right. Well, Age. good luck. With, good luck with moving the ball. Another session in legislature. Good luck at 300 push-ups. My hat's <laughs> off to you. I had a hat. Gary Winfield, it's such a pleasure to talk to you on Dateline New Haven. Thanks for here. coming on the air. Thank you. And uh, thanks to Harry Droz behind the controls. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night long at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.